Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What is going on everybody? My name is Kalal. Welcome to another week of Movie Mondays. This is the Hearst Fire Podcast and we are back again talking all the week's movie news, entertainment news and generally just having a chit chat about all things film. As always, I am joined by my partner in crime, Mr. Sean Bean. Sean, how's it going? I'm good. I love movie news. You just love movie news? I would be distraught yes. if I didn't get to talk about movie news oh, with my... you every week. Oh boys, um, I you will be excited this week. Oh, I have endless amounts of movie news. Excellent. Endless amounts. Oh, is it wait? Current movie news? No, absolutely not. Oh, no, no current news. <laughs> There's been no recent news so, in the movie world. So this week we're actually going to try something different. If you came here for movie news, we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. Hopefully, uh, hopefully. But this week we said we try something a little different. We've been throwing around this idea for a few weeks, few months actually. It's actually like this in our pitch meeting that we had with ourselves. We were <laughs> pitch meeting to ourselves. Up this <laughs> it's a no for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dog. <laughs> Uh, this is something we, like, we've talked about this since last October. Yeah. Uh, originally, we were going to do it like, we'll do what extra show a week. They were like, Jesus, f- four shows seems like a lot. We struggled with three. We very much struggled with three. <laughs> <laughs> so, we were like, maybe not. Now, we said, what we'll do is we might do like a once-off every so often. Yeah. Um, a little a, treat. A little treat. So, this week, with the, with the news that Iron Man is reportedly returning to MCU for the Black Widow movie. Big um, news. It's big news, but unfortunately there's no other real big news. So I said we take that as a chance that we'd take that news and we'd go back to find out the very first appearance of Tony Stark oh. in a sort of Lazarus Pit situation, Sean. Now, when you say Lazarus Pit, yes. do you mean reviving something that was dead long ago? Very much so. So that was, <laughs> that was actually in the pitch. That it was, was in the pitch. So we don't a whole to... segment of the PowerPoint dedicated to it. Oh, absolutely. It. It's a no for me again. Um, no. It's an even bigger no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shit idea. Um, no, so... This movie, this movie Mondays is technically a Lazarus pit, but we just call it Movie Mondays. For the sake of numbering. you looked at me and were like, should we call it Lazarus pit? And then I was like, yeah, but then you can't do Movie, you can't do movie Mondays 49 again next week. 
Yeah, Move Monday's 49, Weird News Wednesday, episode 50. That doesn't make any sense. So, this is a Lazarus film. We are going to be reviewing the very first Iron Man. It's a bit of a blast from the past, Sean. It's a bit of a back in black. Um, <laughs> m- m- no. <laughs> it's a bit of a thunderstruck. What Better. <laughs> Better. Um, so, in regards to the Iron Man movie, um, also... Obviously, spoilers, this movie came out in 2008, doesn't really matter. Give no excuses. Um, we completely understand if you're like, I came in for movie news, what, a, what can you do? Yeah, yeah, especially <laughs> since this is titled Movie Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't call it Lazarus um, We will from now on, though. Okay, fair yeah. enough. I mean, um, everyone has to be on board with that. So, as I said, he will be appearing in, Tony Stark will be appearing in the Black Widow movie, which is set to release next March? 2020, yes. Is it April or March next year? It's one of them. Um, and so we said, it's the 11-year anniversary. The film actually finished up in cinemas this week. Uh, 11 years ago. and one. Uh, 2008. So, <laughs> um, going back to the very first movie of the MCU, Sean, what, where do you want to start with this? Do you want me to give you some stats? Stats would be good, because this is before comic book movies were the... The monopoly that they are. Very much so. This is uh, before The Dark Knight, I think. Did yeah. Th- this came out on the 2nd of May. So when did The Dark Knight come out? I think, I think it was, was later on the summer. I think that was Christmassy time. Was it? I think so. I don't think so. I don't think it was Christmassy. Was it not? No. Oh. I think it was... DVD around Christmas, maybe. Yeah, I think it was later on in the year, though. I think it was around June. Oh, or fair July. So, so... Oh, yeah, because yeah. everyone dresses the Joker for Halloween. Of course. Um, so this was released May 2nd, 2008. It's two hours long. Good length. It's a, a nice length. God be with today. <laughs> Production budget of 140 million. They made 585 million dollars. Good return. First in the time out for the MCU. And that is. Or did, did, did the Hulk movie come out after this? After this, after yes. This, yeah, Same yeah. year, I do. Same believe. year, yeah. But that is knocking it out of the park for Marvel, who, like, consistently throughout history, have been broke. Yes. Several dozen times. So, what I want to do here is, because this is the very first Lazarus bit, it's the very first MCU movie, we can talk about, like, on a whole scale, Mm. what led to this, what kind of, what meant, why did this movie mean so much when it actually did well, kind of things. Yeah. Because in terms of Marvel, a lot of people don't know is that, like, now they are trillion, billion, gazillionaires. They print money. They just print money for fun. But... Um, in the early late nineties, early two thousands, yeah, they sold off all the rights to Spider Man and the Fantastic Four. Yeah, their biggest properties and X Men. Yeah, X Men, Fantastic Four, Spider Man. Yeah, uh, not in that order, but and that those are the ones that were most marketable. They sold off Blade as well. Yeah, um, to Wesley Snipes himself. To Wesley Snipes. Himself. Forgot to pay taxes. It has to give back. <laughs> <laughs> that was the rule. That's why we get Mahershal. <laughs> um, but. The, the characters that Marvel were left with to make films were your Iron Mans and your Captain Americas, who are at the time C-list characters that no one gave a shit about. Which is the reason why nobody cared when Marvel said we're going to start our own movie franchise, yeah. our movie universe. Because all the other studios, Sony and all them were like, well we have Spider-Man. And Fox are like, well, we have the X-Men and Fantastic Four. so you Universal is like, we have the Hulk. Yeah, you're not going to be doing much. Yeah. What are you going to do? Iron Man. Nobody likes Iron Man. Nobody reads Iron Man. And here's the thing. This is what I wanted to get up to. This movie created a legacy. rather Absolutely. than Rather than went off a legacy that existed. Nobody liked Iron Man. Yeah, so this movie was just... 
It's by its own merit that people liked it. There was nothing to base it on. So people couldn't go, oh, I love that character. It's not like a Spider-Man movie where you're like, wow, I love Peter Parker. People went into this not knowing anything. As you said, a C-list character. Yeah. People went into this, I think, largely as a movie. Yeah. This wasn't, oh, I'm going to go see a comic book movie. I'm going to go see that movie about that superhero. So, to, to even go in, even deeper into that, C-list character. Yeah. A superhero movie, 2008, when they yeah. were laughing at, before The Dark Knight came out. Batman Begins had come out in 2005. And it was grand, it was fine, it I was think, well received. I, I, I love Batman Begins, so yeah. I'm, I am biased, but like on the general scale, people were kind of like, well, unless Christopher Nolan's doing it, then it's probably still just going to be a, a, a cabby superhero movie. Yeah, that's the thing, because it was all about, the thing that people were saying about Batman Begins was, it's realistic. Yeah. It's not uh, 60s Batman. Where he's fighting sharks and what he was sharks. Holy about. rusted metal, Batman! Exactly. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's based in reality, and no other superheroes exist in the Nolan Batman movies. And the Raimi Spider-Man movies had come out, but and Spider-Man Two, of course, is amazing. Yeah. But I still don't think they changed the genre. They were kind of just like they're superhero movies. Yeah, and they were still looked down upon quite a bit. They weren't to the level of polish that films generally were they were comic book comic book fans like them yeah the, the they mainstream were like, fans yeah because they were like comic books in yeah that they were campy and fun and had colorful villains and so like this movie comes out um directed by john favreau and of course robert dowdy jr their level of risk it's weird because like you think level of risk is they start the mcu this but on the other side now it looks like risk but at the time there was no downside because what the fuck what? You can't lose anything else. They had no movies. Yeah. Now, to, to make Iron Man was a big gamble because they took out a loan. Yes. And against that loan, they put up every property they had. Yeah, that is true. And they were like, where should we start? We'll start with Iron Man. Yeah. Which, I have, I have a feeling it was nearly a coin flip. Between, between Captain America. Captain America and Iron Man. Yeah, okay. Just for how uh, central those two characters became to the universe. I think that you could have started with either one of them. I don't think Captain America does as well if Iron Man doesn't come first. Yeah, I think because Captain America would be no one's favourite movie. No. Just going in blind because the people who like war movies won't like it because of all the space stuff. The people who like space and futuristic stuff won't like it because it's a war movie. Yeah. Um, And I think you need to start with Iron Man. You need to start with fun. The, like Batman Begins this is what set it apart was Batman Begins is so serious yeah. and so dark and then you have a character who is basically Bruce Wayne genius billionaire Be- genius billionaire and made by philanthropist <laughs> exactly but he doesn't take anything seriously yeah he looks at everything and he just gives a remark he just doesn't give a shit and this brings us on to Iron Man the character itself we haven't even got into the movie but the character itself like on a scale it's not likeable like no. If you wrote down what this character is, he's not likable on a piece of paper, which is a good testament to Robert Downey Jr. Because I have here, like, he makes weapons for the government. Yeah. Nobody likes war. Nobody likes weapons. He lives for it. And he nobody likes the government. So there's three things. He's rich. Yeah. People don't normally tend to, like, I don't know, like themselves, or like a character that's rich, uh, just as he has loads of money. Yeah, it's... It, it, it makes him less relatable. Yeah. If he just has all the money in the world. And he's arrogant. He is very He's the arrogant. most arrogant man in the universe. But he backs it up. 
That's the thing. So you wrote you write all of those stats down. Makes weapons for the government. Loves war. Rich and is arrogant. You're like this guy is a dick, and that's why nobody liked him in the comic books. Mm. But they bring in Robert Downey Jr., who the only word I can use is charisma. It's charisma, but also like another word is comeback. Yes, because he was true to Ringer for a while. Like he, he did a uh, cheat, cheat, bang, bang the year before. I think it was. Yeah. And or no, sorry, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, kiss, Jesus. kiss, bang, bang. Che- Jesus Christ! I mean, okay, I <laughs> he, would, maybe he was in Chili Chili Bang. I would pay to see that. <laughs> but uh, like, d- as much as they were taking a risk on Iron Man, they were taking a risk on Robert Downey Jr. As yes, because well, he didn't have the same draw that he used to have either. Well, that's what I mean. Like, this whole universe is built off a, a sealess character and a movie star that fell from grace fell from grace and nobody knew if he was going to make the comeback or if it was just like a bright spark and then he was going to fall back into obscurity yeah and he fucking did it as well and he did it to the point that the character in the comics changed to reflect what he was like in the movies yeah Um, I think the best hero movies are ones that aren't superhero movies they're like they can be action movies but they're also something else that's what makes the Dark Knight amazing It's it's a detective movie rather than a I mean, he's not a great detective in those movies, but... Uh, oh, he scans that bullet so many times. <laughs> I don't know why that scene makes no sense. But, um, just, like, the best superhero movies are movies that are other things. Yeah, And a superhero yeah. movie second. And this is, like, a comedy... A comedy adventure movie. It is a bit, yeah. and But it's also, like... This movie talks about the horror of war. And yeah. pushing it down the line, how it's not your problem. Yeah. You know? It's like there's a lot going on in this, and there was no script. That is uh, what the major thing. So we will go scene by scene now in a second. But like in terms of in terms of the script, uh, John Favreau did let them improv like seventy percent of it. He yeah. said, and they were just going to scene. So Gwyneth Paltrow and Robert Downey Jr. They know where the scene ends, and it just kind of fill in. And I think that plays so well in their dynamic. Yeah, because and it sets them up as quippy. Intelligent, yeah. witty, I suppose. Is not, the word. not only that, but they also you can tell they give off the impression that they've known each other for years. Because if you know each other, you just talk over each other. Yeah, and yeah. they're talking over each other in scenes, which isn't normal in like a movie. But yeah. normally, it's like I'll say my piece, you say your piece. But they're just actually having a conversation, like two people who would know each other for fifteen years would, and she's just done with his shit. Yeah, and he's just quipping. They're they're having a conversation in character. Yeah. And they're not dropping that. Yeah. Um, and it's the great dynamic which kind of leads this movie to have... Like, they're the heart of the movie, I think. I think so. Because Pepper has a storyline as well. Yeah. Up until, you know, she becomes a bit of the damsel in distress. See, we'll get to the last scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in regards to their dynamic, I think, it, it just... It gives the movie, like, that heart that it needs... That it kind of it has all the action scenes and it goes to them and I like the idea that it's very understated and also completely against the grain. Yeah. The cliche at the end is when he's like, "I'm a I, if I'm a superhero, I should have like a a superhero secret identity and a girlfriend and everything." And she's just like, "Do you remember that time you left me on the the roof just there, alone. just alone there?" Like that's a cool little scene. Yeah, that it's not they're not a stereotype. No. Um so okay, we've gone into all that stuff. Do you want to go into the movie itself? Uh the opening. Like, yes. It's a fucking great opening. It's like it's what 3 minutes long or something like that. I think it's four yeah, four or five yeah, but whatever. It's, it's so much fucking happens. You set up Tony. ACDC comes in first. Yeah. 
Back in Black. Back in Black immediately, which is the soundtrack of uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, <laughs> but, true. But like, if Black in Black comes in, and you're like, oh. Okay, good I like st- this. I'm, I'm into it. And then it cuts into the Jeep, and it's playing on like a shitty little CD player. Yes. Um, And then... Robert Downey Jr. is... Uh, using his chair but all and it's, it's a very comedic scene yeah everyone's really tense Every all the soldiers are just doing their job yeah but he just he's he softens everything and he makes he gets them all chatting and he, and, he sets them at ease maybe and not only does he set them at ease he immediately sets us at ease weirdly yeah like you immediately like this guy because everybody's so serious and he's just sitting there in a suit with his little drink yeah, that's another thing is that the first, I said this before on the podcast, there's a great video that uh, the first thing we see of Tony Stark is his left hand, is his left hand, and that's the hand he uses to snap. No, I think he uses his right hand. Does he? Yeah. Oh, no, they ruined it. That would have been <laughs> They, they ruined it. Disregard that whole thing. But that is, a, that is a fan theory that the left hand is like vitally important. Yeah. But it even just in the scene itself, like he just, he's completely different. Yeah, he, he's in that world, but he's not in that world. Yeah, he is going home after this. He, he doesn't care. Yeah, um, and so they, of course, get attacked. He gets kidnapped, um, and there's a scene where the Stark bomb lands beside That's him. That's great, and it zooms in, and it zooms in, and it takes. Yeah, I think it's four or five minutes before he just immediately gets the shrapnel in his heart. They don't waste any time. Yeah, that's terrifying as well. You see the little pinpricks in his shirt, and yeah. then the blood just starts spreading, and they just. They just immediately show like you could have wasted time with an origin story, but it's like no, he's got a he's got something wrong with his heart because he sets himself up like he's an arrogant douchebag at the start, but yeah. he's funny. Yeah, and then this terrible thing happens to him, and then we go back in time and we see what got him. And here. the scene where we go back in time is the is the award ceremony, mm. and that's a really clever scene in the two ways that one it's it's just exposition really yeah but it's clever exposition in that it shows us how great he is how much everyone loves him how smart he is and then it goes and we'll give this award and he's not there he's out gambling yeah he's playing in the casino it gives us immediately his two character traits that he's this genius but he does not give a shit he'll Uh, do whatever he wants yeah he doesn't care which totally fits yeah why he would become a superhero. And you could have somebody in that scene going, yes, Tony, do you remember that time you created all those robots? Isn't that amazing? You don't care, do you? <laughs> no. You're such a wild you character. You just don't care. It's just ten times easier to just have that little montage where they're like, as you would at an award ceremony, if you are going to give him like a lifestyle, yeah, lifetime yeah. award or something, and then just have him not there to accept it because he doesn't care. Yeah, Rody accepts it for him. And immediately everyone's like, oh, okay, cool. That's that's just who he is. Yeah. The, the uh, And again, like, having that little, like, slideshow of newspaper clippings and everything, to have that just in the film. Yeah. And not just for our benefit, but that's for, like, the crowd in the stadium or wherever. Yeah. They're seeing it as well. Um, And so from there, you go back to his house, which I think is one of the best... It's one of the best creations of, like, the Marvel universe because it immediately is, like, this dude lives in this fucking yeah. house and it's, like, the most perfect house for him. The house, yeah, because you have Jarvis, who's still an AI at yeah. this point. Which, Paul Bettany, like, kills it as oh, Jarvis yeah. in this. I mean, the, the, the cast is very well done. Yeah, and they all work well together. There's no weak link. No. Um, 
even like Jeff Bridges is actually scary. You can't this. really go wrong with Jeff Bridges, though. No. Like he's just he's the dude. Yeah, he's, <laughs> it, it's just his voice is just he's always evil. He'd have to be with that voice. You can't play a good guy, no. no. Um, he'd do a great podcast, though. Oh, he would. Oh, I would listen to Jeff, Jeff Bridges', Bridges podcast. podcast. But he'd say really creepy things. I'm sure he's a lovely man in real life, though. But everything would just sound creepy. <laughs> yeah. You have nice hair, or Jesus, Jeff, you're weird. It's pretty good, Jeff Bridges. Thank you. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, it shows the house, it show, and then Gwyneth Paltrow's there. That's her introduction to her. Yeah. Uh, and immediately she comes across as a very likeable character in that she does not give a shit about who he is. Yeah, and she's just his long-suffering assistant. Every, everybody else is, like, trying to tiptoe around him, and he doesn't care. And then we don't. We love that she doesn't care. She's yeah. just like, yeah, whatever. Because she's like the us in that scenario, in that she's saying what we would want to say to someone yeah. who is treating us like that. Now, I think Gwyneth Paltrow in the later movies is probably not as likable, but she's at her most likable in this movie. I, I think. think so too. And not, like Gwyneth Paltrow has been in and out of the universe. As she doesn't well. even know who's in the movie. She would not true. give a shit. <laughs> just doesn't remember Tom Holland. <laughs> but I, I do like her in this movie, and I think she's a good foil against Tony. Yeah. I think the two of them, as I said, their scenes are one of the strongest in the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Whenever they're together, it's always the strongest scene. Um, So you have to cut back. And that's just like, they didn't have to do that. That's a weird time thing that they did. Mm. And it goes back up to the point where he gets kidnapped. Yeah, and I think that's largely to show us the change that happens after he's kidnapped. You you have to see that so the redemption makes sense. Yeah, and why he would change his mind, why he would essentially give up everything. Because if he's not making weapons, he's not going to make as much money. It's unique storytelling. Like, it is unique, but at the same time, there's never a wasted scene. Yeah. Like, there's some movies there that could add another five scenes to show all of his backstory. This is like flying through it. It's like this, 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 this. You've got all these character beats... And now we go back to the cave. Yeah. He's been kidnapped. And we see him selling the weapons and we see him um, standing in front of all the army guys. The explosion goes off. And that's, that's a great scene as well. It's a great scene. And when you find out, actually, did they write that like five minutes before that scene took place? Yeah. Ten minutes, like, that's a... And it's, it's just... How did this movie is so good in that it's all ad-libbed? It's just John Favreau, he trusted them. Trust them just to do it. Yeah, and I think we and we've seen that with other movies in the universe that if you trust your actors enough, yeah, and trust that they know the character, like in Thor Ragnarok, you will get a good result out of it. Exactly, because you don't hire these people unless they're talented. Yeah, and if you're if if they're not talented, why would you even consider hiring? Exactly. Them? Um. So he goes back to the cave, and um, you have the scene where the uh, I can't remember what's the guy what's the guy's name Jensen Jensen. He saves them, and they have that's like gruesome as well. Yeah, when he starts pulling the string out of his own nose, yeah, that's not and he great. has like it's a car battery. Tap, yeah, like it attached some copper in his chest. But uh, my favorite scene in that whole. Uh, Sorry, my favorite. Yeah, my favorite bit in that whole scene with all the cave, and he's meeting the bad guy, and he's going through all the weapons. Yeah, and the bad guy's like, "If you create this, I'll let you go." Yeah, and he says, "No, he won't." And then Jens goes, "No, he won't." No, he won't. And 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 they're smiling at him, like because they he can't understand them. But there's just that clever scene that you're just like, "Oh yeah, they're both they both know." Yeah, like, they're gonna die here. And the audience that immediately makes you like them more because you're like, "Oh, you're in a no-win situation here." Like, yeah, and also like. They know it as well. They're clever enough to not be tricked. Yeah, it's not like, oh, we'll get free. Okay, I'll make this. I'll do whatever you want. He's like, no, you're not going to let me go. Why would you? Yeah. There's no point. And in in his mind then, he's like, so why would I help you? Yeah. If there's nothing to be gained from it. And so he makes the Mark 1. Yeah. um, 
and it has 15 minutes of life, I think it 15 is. 15 minutes of battery life, and it's essentially just metal plates and a flamethrower but and it's, a gun. It's, um, it's bad enough that we, like, we believe that he could make that in a cave. Yeah. But just crazy enough that it works in a superhero movie. Yeah, because, I don't know, there's something about it that you see him, like, beating on the metal, and you see him pulling the palladium out with a missile. Yeah. And Tense it, it while he does it. Oh, amazing <laughs> biceps. But, like, that whole, I don't know, construction scene... It just goes to show, like, he can he can do... He's not just the brainy guy. Like, he knows how to blacksmith. He knows how to... Yeah. Pour we, metal. And, we've heard of how good he is. Yeah. But this is our first time we actually see... Yeah. That he's uh, he backs it up. And he bonds with Jensen then, as well. Yeah, and that's, that's... That's, like, our first piece of heart in the movie. Like, this movie's all about heart. I find the team of this movie is heart. Yeah. Um, everyone's talking about heart, like... Obadiah Stain says later on, I want to rip the heart out of this. And Greta Paltrow has the thing of like, prove that Tony Stark has a heart. It's all just about him having a heart. And at the start, we don't believe he does. No. But he, like, he's. Jensen, I feel, is the first friend he's made in a while. And first person that doesn't care who he is. Yeah, because they're all the same, because they're in a cave. Yeah, and he's just like, yeah, we can work together. It's fine. And they're just both working. And also, Jensen is just as smart as he is. Yeah. I think he likes that. But yeah, but Jensen didn't have a rich dad. No. You know, like, they're the same but, level of intelligence. But he speaks, like, nine different languages and just... Yeah. He, he's so he's just as smart, so the two of them can bond over that. So, yeah. Also, uh, Jensen has one of the best quotes in this movie. Is it the man who has everything, but you have nothing? No. Okay. It's, um... What, what is it? This is a big week for you. Okay. Uh... Is it, is it Jensen? Yeah, I think... No, no, he yeah. does say that, yeah. He says, this is a big week for you. And, like, the weight of that, because this is the week that he becomes Iron Man. Yeah. And this week sets up everything else that happens in the MCU. <laughs> it is a big week for him, in fairness. Do you know? Jensen's seen it coming. Big fan of Kevin Feige. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the, he gets out of the cave. Mm-hmm. He goes flying off. They finally get saved. It was kind of flying through, but everyone is... I'm sure you've seen Iron Man if you've seen this movie. So he gets out of the cave. He has the flamethrower scene. Great. I mean, he burns the balls to death. He, <laughs> and it's, it's kills several men in this kills, movie. He, he's, not a, he's not against killing. No. If they're going to kill him. But even he out, outright seeks people out to kill. Yeah, I think at it's... At one point. Yeah, I think it's if... Um, if if they've wronged him or something, We just, he just like... He has no morals there. He's just like, yeah, cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I just, I always, I struggled to wrap my head around that the first time I watched it. I right, remember. but at the same time, you can kind of understand it, because especially in that cave, if you've oh, been yeah. stuck in a cave and you've been kidnapped by those people. That was survival, like. And he was waterboarded and everything, like, he's like, no, fuck you, I'm, yeah. go- I'm going to burn you to death if I have a flamethrower. Yeah, true. Um, so, yeah, he returns to, I was going to say Earth. <laughs> Maybe. Later on he does. He does, yes. Um, that's very movies down the line now. But gets a cheeseburger. Th- very much so, yes. He gets a cheeseburger and his daughter wants a cheeseburger. No, what spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> um, um, no, so he returns back to America mm-hmm. and 
Um, the first thing he does is he sells everyone that Stark Industries is no longer going to be in the weapons making business. Yeah, which I feel is a very like real world thing. And their stock just immediately plummets. Yeah, a ve- again, a very real world exactly, thing. Exactly, which is why it makes sense. The movie is just... It, uh, I know it's a crazy world where a man is just in a ro- robot suit, but it also has a bit of the Christopher Nolan in that this would happen. Yeah, and also like... Everything, like, I might be jumping ahead a bit. The CGI in this movie, like the suit, yeah, looks unreal. Yeah, they perfected that. Like, there is no earthly reason why an 11-year-old movie should look that good. But, yeah, there's there's never really a scene where I'm like, he's not in that. Yeah, even when he's not, and you know he's not. Yeah, even when it has the shot of just his face, and he's clearly just on a green screen. Yeah, it's still flawless. Yeah, it is. Um, and he's sympathetic... Because he immediately is like, I've seen the right, we're doing this wrong. Yeah, I've seen firsthand where those weapons are going. And so he immediately stops it. And like, as a, as I said, one of his character flaws is that he worked with the government and he manufactures weapons. That immediately takes that out of out of the equation. Yeah, he, and the government, by all accounts, will want nothing to do with him. Because he's, he's no use to them now. And we, we glossed over it as well. The weapons were being sold to the Ten Rings. Yes. Which, See, they, in their ideal world, they're like, we just sell them to Americans. But yeah. money talks, and you just sell it to whoever is the highest bidder. Exactly. and Which is a real world thing. Uh, which happens probably far too often. Very, very far Let's too often. Let's not get yeah. into that. No. <laughs> but, and uh, take. <laughs> but to put the Ten Rings in the first Iron Man movie is quite a clever thing. Mm. Uh, they kind of they did some stuff with it later on. With the Mandarin. With the Mandarin. With uh, Trevor... Trevor Slattery. Trevor Slattery. <laughs> Sir Ben Kingsley. We were talking... About it was last movie Mondays. We wanted an actor who's very, very good, but has been in some awful shite. Yes, I think Sir Ben Kingsley is up for the task in face off. <laughs> That's actually a good point. But Ben Kingsley and the Mandarin and the Mandarin in the course. same movie, same movie. Yeah, uh, but we're we look to be getting more of the Ten Rings in the upcoming Shang Chi movie. Okay, which I'm not saying they were thinking about that then. I don't think I think they were thinking about it in Iron Man Three. And then they did it wrong. Yeah, and then, and then they backpedaled. Now they're doing it again. But I like the Ten Rings in this movie. I like that it's not a physical Ten Rings of power that he's fighting. It's ten, like, circles of the same group. Yeah, and it's... But I think a good thing is that we don't even know who he's fighting. Like, he's not fighting anyone in particular. That's true. And this is... Ugh. It's weird as well, because... It's just like vaguely Middle Eastern country yeah. that he goes to, and, but and I, there was a war on at the there, time. There, I think he goes. Does he go to Afghanistan? I, yeah, um, and it's snowing there as well because it's winter time. It's winter time, of course. Um, but we'll get to that. So he after he returns, <laughs> yeah. stock plummets, and then we see him doing the testing of the of the actual yeah, suit, the Mark II. This is some of the strongest scenes in this whole movie. Yeah, because he's figuring it out, and he's not good at it straight away. No, you see that he's terrible. Like, he flies into a roof and just, like, smashes himself Yeah, on the floor. But I love, like, he's just, he's doing the littlest things. Like, he's, you see him looking through a dozen magnifying glasses and turning one screw. Yeah. And you see him, like, the, you know, the arm blaster things? Yes. They start off as just... It's strapped to his hand and there's a shit ton of wires coming up him. And then to see that evolve into something he can use to fly. Yeah. To stabilise him. And I think 
you that's another good scene in that this is a completely out of this world uh, idea. Yeah. But we are kind of brought in to step one. Yeah, it's like they explain how this fictional technology works. Yeah, it doesn't like it doesn't make any sense in reality. No. But you're more likely to believe it. If you there's that scene where he's strapping around his bicep yeah. and his forearm and like it's just uh it's like the bare bones of just the arm yeah. and the wires. Um like you just need to see that scene. And then later on when he uses it, you're like, oh no, i seen that being made. It's like all that stuff is just underneath some armour. Subconsciously, that just goes into your head. That you're just like, oh no, that's, yeah, I've seen that happen. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Rather than, if you talk about it for two seconds, you'd be like, oh no, none of this makes any sense. The- but it's a smart way to bring the audience in. Yeah, and they use... It's a, it's not all... You don't just have a CGI model of Robert Downey Jr. floating around when he's flying. No. The way they did it, they like built a special harness... That supports his weight in a way that makes him top heavy. So he's actually balancing. Yeah. While he's being hung up on wires. And then they just erase the wires. Oh. And that's how it's done. I did not know that. It's really cool. It's in the behind the scenes. Okay. But it's like, it's little things like that that just help sell it. And it also means like when he lands on the ground and like has to catch his weight. Yeah. He's actually doing that. See that, it adds more levity to the scene. Like that adds yeah. a bit of weight. Exactly. To, to the actual thing. So, and this takes away another one of his flaws, which is, is he's rich. And you said, like, he's not relatable. Yeah. But now he's using his wealth for something good. We see him using his wealth to create something that he could help people with. Yeah. So he, I, I don't think even... I think he doesn't even know it at that point. No. That he's going to become a superhero. He's just doing something but like why I set up those like character flaws at the start is throughout this movie they get peeled away yeah one by one until he becomes a character a fully fledged human that we can enjoy or keeping the best parts of what he had before you keep his charisma but you get rid of his flaws because he has so many flaws like all the rest of his movies are just him getting rid of one flaw after another yeah Um, but like in this movie they took away like three or four of them at once because you had to do that in the first movie yeah but this doesn't it's not like a boring origin story no. where we know where he is and uh, the film tells everything leading up to that. Yeah. The film just starts and then... Because no one cared about Iron Man, so no one knew where it was going to go. Which is why I said they created the legacy yeah. instead of instead of having to live off something. You have a clean slate. You can do whatever you fucking want here. Yeah. Because if you do it wrong, who the fuck cares? There's like four Iron Man fans in the world. <laughs> yeah. And I think whenever we say origin movies are a bit boring, usually that's because... Mata! Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or, like, we've seen, for example, Hawkeye. We saw him in the Avengers. Yes. And he do- he had an arc in Avengers and we learned about him and we liked him because of that. We don't need to see where he came from. Yeah. Same with Han Solo. Yes. We, the character is already there. We've been with them. We don't need to see it. But this was a new character that they gave an origin. They to had to do two. the origin too. Yeah. Do you get where I'm and and from? I think if they started a two, like nobody likes this guy. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think you like him, but you're not connected to him. Like after this movie, people are connected to it. We see from his point of view. We see from his journey. So yeah. later on in Civil War, if you just start a two, I think people side for Cap. Because it's like, who the fuck is this dude? Yeah, what do, what right does he have? Like, what has he been through? Like, Cap has been through loads of shit. And you've just come in, b- big rich boy who wants to just do everything. Yeah, you don't get the stripping back of the character flaws. E- exactly. So, um, you see the testing, and in that testing, he goes... 
he says a line of, you need to run before you can walk. Yeah. And that's why he flies straight up into the sky. And freezes. And freezes. And that's how he saves himself at the very end. Because he remembered that. But it's a character flaw that leads him to do that. That he's just really cocky immediately. He's just like, I barely know how to float. I'm just going to fly as high into the sky. Straight up. Straight up and see what happens. Which nobody else would do. No. People would be like, okay, I'll go 10 feet off the ground. Yeah. I'll go 20 feet off the ground. He just straight he immediately Let's goes see how high I can high. go. Let's see what happens. Which, it is a character flaw, but it's also one of his best features. It's why he survives. He'll jump in. Yeah. You know? Without thinking. He just, exactly. He just does it. He just does it and he... Because he trusts himself. Yeah, but even, like, it's the... Who's... Edison, he said, "There's I found a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. Yeah. Like, I feel like every mistake Tony Stark has ever made from, in terms of technology, he's learned from. That's good. And if he does, he might not do that in his life. But, mm. you know? No, I, I agree. Um, so, you then get the first scenes out with him um, arriving in Afghanistan. Yeah, that's a brutal and scene. And that suit, by the way, is fucking... Favourite. It's just pure sexy. It never got better than that for <laughs> no, me. <laughs> when, it, when, he, when the helmet comes down yeah. and you just see it in the red and the gold, you're just like, my God. I think that suit looks angrier as well. You think? I think it has a bit of anger to it. it ha- yeah, it has a bit of menace. Yeah. It's, it, just, it's the eyes, I think. I don't know what, or maybe just the face no, I, mask. I, I, I think it is the eyes and the mask, I think, comes in more on the jaw. Yeah. So it looks more like a skull. It's, yes. If yeah. you get me. It, it does look a little more menacing and I love that. I love it so much. And, it, and he's bigger as well. He's bigger but I think the suit matches where he is there then. Like he's menacing. Yeah. Then. Exactly. He's and like, he wants going, to look threatening. I'm going to go fight some fuckers. Yeah. And I'm going to kill some people. But like in say Infinity War and Endgame that suit is literally if 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 you if he has his skin there's a suit on it. Yes. Do you know? But the one in Iron Man 1 is bulky and mechanical and electrical. It's based off Mark 1. Yeah. But it's a smaller version. But he goes smaller and smaller as it goes along. And it's, oh, but I just, lo- I like big suit Iron Man. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. And you have the scene where he arrives in Afghanistan, kills everyone immediately. Yeah. And there's the big fight scene and the action scene where everyone just literally does not stand a chance. No, and like, they have seven hostages. Yeah. And he just targets the dude's heads. And immediately, you're just like, oh shit. He's unstoppable. Yeah, he's unstoppable. This genius. Because he lands and everyone's got machine guns and then there's a big fucking tank. The first thing that happens when he lands is he gets shot. Yeah. And they just, nothing happens. And you would, if anyone other superhero drops into that scene, you're like, oh fuck. Yeah. This could end badly. Like, they could get a lucky shot. It doesn't matter how many shots they get on him. He's just going to keep going. He just he has a big suit that's full of rocket launchers. He blows up a tank. And yeah, the scene of the tank, that's a very trailer. Perfect yeah. for a trailer where he fires one little missile <laughs> and he just walks away. Cool guys don't look at explosions. They shot. don't. And he's the coolest guy. <laughs> he's the coolest boy in the room. Um, so he has the testing and he's ringing Rhodey then. And they're having a chat. Yeah, and he's fighting in the air. He's fighting the two jet fighters and he's like, oh, I'm going for a drive. And then yeah. Rhodey's like, I thought you were going for a walk in the mountains. No, no, I'm... I'm going, I'm, I'm driving to, in the mountains. I had to drive to the mountains and yeah. now I'm walking. It sounds like you're in the air. No, no, I'm not in the air, no. <laughs> and then he hangs up on Rhodey and minutes later calls him back and he's like, yeah, it's me. Yeah. I'm in the suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're about to blow him up, is it? Yeah, they have him targeted. Yeah. and But he, like, he flies back in the air, crashes the wing off a plane. And then pulls it open and pulls the parachute on the and, dude. And that's a really good scene because when he's flying forward, 
he just stops yeah and he goes backwards and you see how agile that shit is like it's a big bulky suit but he's designed it so that it is as fast as possible yeah and he, can change directions on a whim he can outmaneuver a jet fighter yeah a, a fucking jet fighter with a trained professional pilot <laughs> and he's just flying around the place like it's 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 very like that technology no one had thought of in that universe. No, and he's the first one, and now you see how good it is. Um, and so the, it, it goes from that, and then there's probably like a, there's a few scenes in the middle. But I want to talk about Obadiah Stane. This yeah. is where the big reveal is that he's the big evil. He's the big evil. So he ousted Tony from the company. Yes, froze his accounts. Uh, but that's had, been all going on in the background. He didn't really care. You just assumed that he was doing all that. Because he's real mad that he'd stopped ma- yeah. making guns. And Obadiah Stane had been selling those guns... Yes. ...to the Ten Rings and to other organisations around the world. Exactly. Um, and so, They're ironmongers. Oh, good. <laughs> um, and he, we have the scene where he finds the suit, the, the Mark Wad, and he's yeah. like, Tony Stark made this in a cave with a bunch of scraps. And... That guy comes back in Far From Home. Very much so. Yeah. That's so weird to think about now when we're going back to watch this. It's so good though. When I seen him, I was like, that guy's from Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like, I like the idea that, because Obadiah Stane kind of was a father figure to Tony Stark. Yes. After, he even calls him son a couple of times. But I like that he was always jealous of Tony. Yeah, he's, he, was, he wasn't as smart as him or as cool as him. And he, the only reason he's there is because he was friends with his father. Yeah. Rather than he's a genius. Now, Tony's obviously his father's son. That makes sense, genetically. Yes. But he's also... Is he is he seen as smarter than his father? I know his, smaller, his father was also a genius. Well, uh, yeah. See, it depends. Because in his, in his time, Howard Stark was the... Brute, most brilliant man in the world. Yeah, but he didn't. Canonically, have is I suppose they're probably about very similar. I see. I think you would call Tony smarter just because he's gone through more. Yeah, Howard Stark never fought aliens. No, he never interacted with alien technology. Say, so t- I think Tony has a broader skill set. But in terms of general intelligence and ability to learn, I think they're about the same. They're about the same, and I probably Obadiah thought when uh, Howard Stark died. Oh, well, now I'm the. Ch- I'm the yeah. chosen one. Like, I'm the big cheese. I, I get, and the, he gets this son who's just as smart. Yeah. And is just as intelligent. as this like genius from the age of five. And he's like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. And I think that like, if Tony was more interested in running a business, once he turned 18, Obadiah Stane would have been out. Yeah. But, but, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He just wants to build things and have fun. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's probably, that. that's why it leads to the jealousy. Yeah. He's like, why don't you just, why don't you want to do it? Just I'm I'm running this company. Why do I have to do everything? Yeah, it's like if I had the things that you have, if I had your intelligence, yeah, I would be the most wealthy man in the world. And so we see that Obadiah uh, is evil. Uh, Jeff Bridges plays it really well. There's that scene with Gwyneth Paltrow where he's just so creepy. He's, oh, he's talking about strawberries, and, and that tension in that scene is is massive. Yeah, and he's just like he asks for the paper. Yeah. And he's like, he's right up in her personal space. Yeah. And so Coulson bad. is in that scene when she leaves. Yeah. She, now, we haven't really talked about S.H.I.E.L.D., but they are dribbled in this. Yeah, they use their own acronyms name. Yeah, but it's just a good way to introduce them. It's it's actually probably the most subtle way. It's very unlike Iron Man 2, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a much more subtle way of doing it. It was very clever. So, um, then you have... 
the there's the big it gets into the third act and I think this is where the movie goes a bit downhill. Uh, yeah, I think it falls back on cliches, cliches and tropes. Yeah, like up until that point, and the very the very last scene is completely on cliche. Yeah. But there's a 20 minutes in the middle there yeah. where they just go to, right, there has to be explosions, there has to be a damsel in distress, there has to be a monster who's the same as the good guy but an evil version. Uh, yeah, or is at least equal in power yeah. in some way. And he's just he's just saying really cheesy lines throughout the whole thing. Yeah. For, and it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like the Jeff Bridges we've seen for the previous hour and a half. In that fight scene. He's just no, he saying goes, one-liners. He, it, it was, there was a time in, it was phase one and phase two a bit that um, it was a Marvel villain would go insane for no good reason. Yes. And that's what happened with Jeff Bridges. Yeah, so he's, he's meant to be like in, incredibly smart. And then the final fight scene, he's just punching him. And he's like, you have so much power. Yeah. Not so strong now, are you, Mr. Stark? It was a clever way of depowering Tony. Yes. Taking out the arc reactor and he has to use the first one he made. Yeah. But, like, it, it it's still no challenge, really, to Tony. Because Tony is faster and he's better in the suit. And, yeah. Like, he's it, only limited by time because he doesn't have as much battery. Yeah. Um, and so, the big fight scene, it's not great. It's not great. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> he swings a motorbike at Tony Stark. He does. And, but the motorbike keeps revving. <laughs> oh, that's good. So it goes, hits him in the face. I see, I'm, I've been very positive about this movie up until about this scene. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm like, hmm, not, not for me, I don't think. No. Now, it looks great. Yeah. Like, the, the effects, the shots. This, this movie was shot on film All as right. well. So it looks really good in darkness. Yeah. But it is... It's set at night and it's raining, which is the height of course CGI it is. a lot of the time. Of course it is. I just... The best part of the fight is the end. Yes. Where he tricks him into getting frozen and then blows up a big blue beam. <laughs> you have to have a blue beam into the sky, obviously. Yeah. It's the first phase of Marvel. And Pepper sets that off, doesn't she? Um, she does, yeah, from the, from the factory. Or... Yeah, from the big arc reactor. Yeah, um... I think I think it's clever that they set up the ice thing yeah. originally, and then I I like the idea that they go back to that. Yeah, it could have been when it first happened. It could have been just a cheap gotcha moment. Yeah, but, but it it as I said, no scene is wasted. No, not at all. Everything comes back. The only scene, ironically, that I feel like just meh about is this scene. Yeah. But it ends with something that we've seen earlier on. And you go, oh yeah, I understood that. Once again, it makes sense in this universe because you created the rules. Yes, that that brand of suit, or if because if you hadn't done that, yeah, you wouldn't know about it. And he's upped his suit, hasn't Tony? Yeah, Tony. Like, and it was a simple thing in that the panels can flex, yeah, which cracks any ice. But his yeah, the first one doesn't have that obviously because that was a mistake he made earlier on. And that's the plans that Jeff Bridges is basing it off. And the only person who would know that mistake is Tony Stark, which. Makes sense in the universe. So that rule is perfectly fine. The end of the fight, perfectly fine. Just the fight itself, as we said, bit of cliche, bit yeah. meh. I think meh is the best. Way meh that. is, but when the other, when the rest of the film is like a solid seven oh, or eight. Like the, fil- the film is kicking ass up until that point. Yeah. And then you have that, you go, okay, right, I'll accept that because the rest of it's pretty good. And then it ends on such a high. So the fight scene ends, and then it goes back to the press conference. And he's getting ready. He's getting ready. Um, and and Coulson is like, okay, here's the plan. You're going to go out and say that this Iron Man dude, he's your bodyguard. Yeah. 
And Tony's just like, I don't, people won't believe I need a bodyguard. <laughs> surely, <laughs> his, his ego is so big. Yeah. He's just like, why would I need a bodyguard? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want one. I've been working out <laughs> these guns. <laughs> Look, did you not see me hammer that metal? Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> and he, he nearly goes for it. He nearly says that to all the press yeah. conference. And I think you would have. People would have accepted it, but they probably wouldn't have thought he was as cool. Yeah, and. I, there's a great scene where he's like I'm not saying I'm some kind of superhero and the reporter's just like I never said hero <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then he gets mad yeah. his ego is like no I am Iron Man I am Iron Man I can do whatever I want fuck you you're not invited to my party right so it, I am Iron Man is one of the most iconic lines yeah and it like as soon as he says it cut to credits perfect DC Iron Man perfect thing. That's like, the best way to end this movie. He's not Iron Man until that moment. Yeah. He's just Tony Stark in a suit. And that's when he accepts who he is. Yeah. And the responsibility he has. Yeah. Which, a little bit. Which Iron Man 2 kind of goes back on. But see, Iron Man 2 has one of my favourite bits. Like, it's not amazing. Yeah. But it has one of my favourite bits in that he is taken to court and has to explain his actions. You know, right at the start of that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, and he doesn't. Is it, does he not take it seriously at all? He doesn't take it seriously, but I like that. The, you know, there's consequences. There's, there are consequences. He has to do this, and there's major news coverage about it because it makes sense in the rules of the universe. Yeah. So, um, as I said, then they had the after credit scene, first after credit scene ever. Yeah. Recommended by one Edgar Wright. God, if only he was more involved. <laughs> <in Marvel. laughs> <laughs> Still oh, a bit man. pissed off about that. <laughs> he's very small. He's some sort of ant man. Interesting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that was tough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they had the Africa scene that's with uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Sammy J. Sammy J. Playing Nick Fury. Playing Nick Fury. Um, playing snakes on a plane character. Yeah. Um, there are too many motherfucking snakes on this motherfucker. Hello, Tony. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Sorry, I was rehearsing for a new role. Um, so he introduces the Avengers initiative and all that. And that's like a very cool scene that they didn't put in the movie, which I kind of like. Yeah, and it's, it's... It's it's a way of saying we, we're going to make more movies without saying outright... We're going to make an Avengers movie. Yeah. You know? Because you introduce S.H.I.E.L.D., you introduce the Avengers, but you don't beat over people to head. This is Tony's movie. So yeah. So you don't want to take it from him. And he's the fir- like he's the first one we know about. Yeah. And he's the last line. He says, I am Iron Man. And the movie's called Iron Man. So it has to be about him. Yeah, exactly. That's just the way it There's is. There's no other heroes. Like, you, you get your teasers. You get the War Machine tease. And the Ten Rings tease. Yeah. And the S.H.I.E.L.D. tease. But... Nothing is overbearing. No, I think that's the issue they ran into the second one. Yeah, it, in that it could it was slightly overbearing, but the first one is balanced very delicately, but very well. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, okay, so that's actually a bit of a we did a full run through of, of the movie. I think we skipped a lot of scenes, but I mean we're not going to go scene by scene. That's Fuck that. not a great movie. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> would you, you you think this is a good one? I do. Like it's it might just be because it's the first Marvel movie. Yeah. You know, but I think it's a lot of what was done here that was that set the pattern for the the rest of the MCU movies, but also for an origin movie. Weirdly, yeah. you know, like even as recently as Captain Marvel, you can see parallels between the like the stripping back of I, I don't want to say flaws, but a character changing and then becoming the hero rather than. 
us being introduced to a hero and then here's how they fucking got bullied in school or something. <laughs> yeah. It's a better origin story than Man of Steel. Yeah, I think so. Do you I, get Man me? of Steel is a good movie. Well, it's grand. It's a grand movie, but Iron Man as an origin movie, I think this mo- if this movie doesn't come first, the MCU doesn't make as much money. No. You don't start with Thor. You don't start with Thor. You don't start with Captain. It had to start with Iron Man, which was probably the least liked person in the whole universe before they started. Yeah, he's not uh, a typical protagonist. More importantly, it had to start with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, that's it's not even the Iron Man character. It had to start with Robbie Downey Jr., who is basically just this character. Yeah, it's the charismatic, quippy dude, but. He pulls it off, you know? It's just so... Yeah, it's so likeable. What I I will say is, it's just fun. And, like, people who don't like comic book movies can watch this movie. Yeah, this is a very low investment in terms of what you need to know going in. Which is nothing. Which is... As I said, there was only four Iron Man fans in the whole world. Yeah. So there there was no legacy to build off of. So people who were into comic books could go watch this free... Clean slate. People who weren't in the comic books can go watch this because Robert Downey Jr. is pretty funny. Yeah. And it's a pretty good, it's a great cast and it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. And phase one is pretty good about that, that they're not that connected. No. In, like they're individual movies. It wasn't until phase two and Winter Soldier and everything that everything started building. Yeah. And or like, that is like the best movies in the series, I find. Yeah. But you needed this these first few movies to just be an introduction. To, like we've been saying this whole time, it set the rules yeah. of the universe. Uh, so I think that's it for the review of Iron Man. Are we um, out of the Lazarus? Is the, pit, the, yeah. out, we're out of the Lazarus, but this is our very first inaugural. Inaugural. L- Lazarus pit. Could be our last. Hopefully, if people hate it, we'll never do it again, but I if, promise. If people even somewhat liked it. Yeah. Please let us know. Let, like, genuinely let us know about this one. Uh, let us know because we will happily do more. Like, there, we're thinking, originally we were like, we'll review every superhero movie ever. Yeah. Uh, good or bad. Doesn't really <laughs> Mostly matter. Bad. Mostly bad. Obviously, you'd have to do, like, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, yeah. Winter Soldier. X-Men. X-Men, all that. Like, there's so many possibilities you could go to. So, um, I'd like to talk about Blade 2. I, lo- I really like Blade 2. <laughs> you did the whole Blade trilogy. <laughs> no, maybe not three. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just... I think we could do this. This is fun for us, like... I mean... These are conversations we have. We just have anyway. So, <laughs> I mean, what can you do? Uh, yeah, we'll do, hopefully have to do a Lutter Lazarus pit. Uh, if you want to see that, just message us on Twitter, Instagram, or email us. Email us. Any of those. Yeah, any of those things. It's all in fa- the description. Or on Facebook. You can message us on Facebook. Um, Sean, do you want to take us out? Yes, thanks for listening to this very special episode of Movie Mondays. <laughs> yeah. Hyphen the Lazarus pit. Hyphen Iron Man. Feet. Feet. Connor and Sean. <laughs> Sorry, Sean and Connor. Do you think that's searchable? I think so. It's good SEO on that. Um, like you said, all of our social links are in the description. You can f- contact us through any of them. Uh, we do have a Patreon as well if you're interested in supporting the show. Um, thanks to everyone who does. But if you can't support or if you just don't want to, the best way you can help out is by telling one human being that we exist. Just the one. Just one. No more, no less. No more. And... Other than that, I think that's it for this. I think that's it. Um, so, I've been kind of loud. I've been shot. I will see you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.